Well, I hope whatever you have planned today, it's a celebration of some kind and that Mother's Day is a good day. As we said, motherhood comes in all shapes and sizes. Uh, some of you are moms, uh, some of you have moms, some of you are stepmoms and uh, all kinds of places in between. When we planned out today, we wanted to be sure that you got to hear from the moms in our church. And we wanted to do that specifically this year because, well, the last couple of years have been hard on families and moms have felt uh, the brunt of a lot of it. And we wanted to hear some reflections from the people in our church and the motherhood experiences that they've gone through. And so I want to introduce you to one of our moms. This is Michelle Butler and Michelle's on her way up. Welcome, Michelle. Good to see you, Michelle. Thanks for being here. Michelle is mom to Eileen. You can see Eileen there and Court and Winslow. And she's also a wife to uh, my man Trent right there. And, and Trent's in this service. Uh, Trent has not heard what Michelle has to share yet. And so I don't know if he's read it or not. Did you get a pre-read? I did. Okay, very good. And he came to church anyway. And so we're so glad. We're so glad. And we're grateful. Uh, they've been a part of our church for a long time. And her thoughts today are, are meaningful and helpful to all of us. Michelle, thanks for sharing with us. Would you welcome her one more time? Thanks, Phil. Um, when Phil approached me a couple weeks ago to ask if I'd be willing to say a few words to reflect on motherhood today, I was like, for real, me? Um, he jokingly asked like five minutes later, well, have you thought about it yet? Um, of course, I laughed and told him, I can't think that fast anymore. I have young kids. Um, but to be honest, I was a little, it took me a while to think it over. I struggled a little bit with what to say because motherhood hasn't been the most natural journey for me. Um, when I was younger, before my kids interrupted me 87 times an hour, um, I would have quickly said, sure, I'd be happy to speak and, and said a few words and they would have been heartfelt, but, um, I also struggled with the role of mother and, I felt as a younger person, a single woman, that I didn't want to be put into this box of motherhood that Christian women often find themselves in. I didn't want to be constrained. Um, I grew up an idealistic youth group kid who went to a lot of big Christian conferences and heard a lot of messaging about being a warrior for Christ and changing the trajectory of my entire generation. And, and I knew that that was for me. Um, I was convinced that God had big plans for me and would lead me to make a difference in an extraordinary way. And it seemed like infants were incompatible with that. And then I grew up. I met my now husband. I married him before my brain was even fully developed. <laughs> like, I don't know who let me do that. It's been working out okay, though. <laughs> um, and we were going to conquer the world together. We had big plans. We were, we were going to do all the things that God wanted us to do. Um, we moved across the country really impulsively with like five belongings and three dollars. And then we found out, despite our best efforts, um, before we'd even been married a year that I was pregnant unexpectedly. Um, to say that I did not take the news of my impending motherhood well would be a little bit of an understatement. My life was over. Um... <laughs> I hadn't been around too many babies, but I knew that they changed things. It wouldn't be possible to do the big things that God had for me when I didn't get to sleep through the night and I had to stop every 30 minutes to breastfeed or however often babies eat. And I was pretty sure that the big things that God wanted me to do would involve glamorous world travel 
and I didn't think I could bring an infant along for the ride. Um, I cried out to God, how dare he? He knew what the plan was. He knew what my life was supposed to look like, and he let this happen before I even got a year alone with my husband, before I accomplished all of the things that he had me to do. Um, God and I had some choice words. I wish that I could say it was only a few choice words, but it was really about 10 months of them. And yes, pregnancy is 10 months. I don't know why we talk about it being nine. (sighs) At the end of my pregnancy, when labor felt like literal impending doom, I was still complaining to God. I have been faithful, I cried out to him. I was going to do extraordinary things for you. And though I haven't heard his voice audibly, I felt like he asked, will you be faithful in the ordinary? It took me a little while longer to understand that the simpler question he was asking me was, do you trust me? Now it's been almost nine years since I held the baby that I didn't want for the first time. First, I had to work pretty hard to get her here which felt like the dumb cherry on top of an unfair Sunday. (laughs) But God and I have since discussed that too. I looked into her tiny face and my heart broke open. My first words as a new mother, much to my patient husband's relief and the nurse's confusion, were I have been so stupid. And I felt that, total stupidity. Staring into the eyes of my tiny newborn daughter, I reckoned with the fact that God might have a plan that looked a little different than mine. And shocker, he might know a little better than me. I had spent my entire pregnancy ungrateful and angry when I could have been celebrating and preparing to be faithful in the unexpected place that God had brought me to. I once again, and many times since, asked for forgiveness from God, from the baby, from my husband, and I've had to from the other two babies that we went on to have on purpose this time. I have also since forgiven myself. I quickly learned what many of you already know, especially if motherhood hasn't happened on your terms, whether you're like me and it came when you weren't ready, whether you've been waiting, wondering if it's ever going to happen for you, whether you had to say goodbye way too soon, or whether it's come with a set of circumstances that you never could have imagined, this journey of motherhood will lay bare how little we actually control. And for me, As a young mom, letting go of the pretense of control also meant letting go of just a few other things, like getting to sleep on my own terms. This meant I also got to let go of an excellent vocabulary, if I do say so myself, (laughs) because (laughs) apparently good sleep and making words, those are, they go hand in hand. Um, I got to let go of any semblance of personal privacy, but I traded it for a front row seat to someone else's bodily functions. I have cleaned up so much poop, and I have caught so much vomit, once in my bare hands, which I cannot recommend less. I let go of my concern of what others thought of me pretty quickly when I had to endure being screamed at regularly by the tiny terrorist I grew in my own body. (laughs) And I could go on and on, but I have learned to let go of so many things. At times, I've tried to pick them back up, but I've never been able to carry them on my own for long. And when I collapse under their weight yet again, God has been there, graciously offering to take them off my hands. And now that my babies aren't infants and I sleep through the night, I've had some time and space to realize that everything God asked me to let go of through this role of mother had never served me well in the first place. 
With the loss of my vocabulary, God gently checked my pride in no small amount of pretentiousness. Forgetting my words made me kinder. The public tantrums desensitized me to the judgment of others, a weight that God never intended me to pick up in the first place. I'm not sure whether it was the 8th or 28th tantrum that made me finally stop caring about how I was perceived in public, but eventually I could not be bothered anymore. And when I stopped caring, because I was literally too tired to, I felt free. And as far as all the poop goes, God used it to graciously teach me that getting up close and personal with another person's bodily functions is an act of love and an affirmation of dignity that speaks louder than words ever could. When I stop to patiently tie another shoe, wipe another nose or butt, uh, listen to another knock-knock joke for the 87th time, I am telling my kids that they matter. Every meal I cut into tiny pieces, every tantrum that I ride the emotional wave with them, every surface I wipe and each load of laundry I fold is love. And I began to understand that if I allowed it to, God's kindness, faithfulness, and careful care for each of us could flow through me to my children, through them to everyone around them, and then to a thousand generations and into eternity. It turns out that the ordinary way that God asked me to be faithful was actually quite extraordinary indeed. The younger, quicker version of me, who was so convinced that she'd change a generation, didn't realize that God's plan instead was for her to help shape the next one. When I opened my hands to let go of the broken pieces of the life that I had wanted, God offered me something far deeper and more meaningful, and yes, at times, far more difficult than I ever could have imagined. It turned out that he did know the plan all along, and I will be grateful forever that he dared to wreck mine. Motherhood is neither the only nor the highest calling for women, but through it, God has kindly reminded me that this life was never supposed to be about me, and because of it, I'm learning what it looks like to trust him. Well, that's worth taking with you today. And uh, these thoughts from the moms will give you perspective, regardless of whatever your, your life station is. There's another mom I want you to meet. Uh, this is Catherine Holman. Catherine is on her way up, and these are her kids, her crew, and her husband as well. She's a mom to Kelsey, Brooke, Connor, and Josh. And that's, uh, that's Eric uh, over there on the other end. Eric's in this service as well. And Catherine is uh, a mom extraordinaire. And her kids could not be, as most of our kids, more different from each other than they are. And this has challenged her and grown her and Eric, and I'm grateful that she's willing to share some of these thoughts today. Welcome, Catherine, would you? Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Good morning. When Phil texted to ask if I would share my reflections about being a mom, I was sitting in Phoenix, Arizona with a family that our daughter has nannied for the last year and a half. In that moment, this young mom and I were sharing the profound nature of motherhood. I had just turned to her and said, it has been my greatest joy, about the time that Phil's text came in. I became a mom 8,866 days ago. That's 24 years, 3 months, and 10 days. I am a mom to these four. Kelsey is 24, Brooke is about to turn 22, Connor is 19, and Josh is 16. Each season of those 8,866 days has brought abundant joy with unique challenges, 
But more than anything, what I have realized through each of them is that I am the best mom when I stay tethered to my king, King Jesus. I remember early on in motherhood worrying about all the to-dos that I felt I had to check off my list, making sure laundry was done, the house was clean, people were getting naps on time, and signed up for all the right sports and activities. I felt a lot of pressure to be the best mom and fell short often. I came to realize that the words of Lamentations 2, 22 through 23 would become a mantra for me to remember. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Oh, how I have become grateful that he is a God who never tires of giving me mercy to me and my shortcomings as a mother. As our children grew, there were so many ways in which the Lord taught me to stay near to him. I remember preparing for the first day of kindergarten for Kelsey, our oldest. I was simultaneously celebrating with her this new adventure that I was certain she would love, while equally terrified. Imagining her on that great big playground with all the new children and teachers that I barely knew, every possible thing that could go wrong was running through my head at 3 a.m. many mornings prior to her start day. Little did I know that Twelve and a half years later, I would be pleading with God not to bring her home as she lay in the middle of a horse pasture, having been bucked off and crushed by a horse, breaking six bones, four in her back and two in her leg. Staying tethered to the king was the only thing that I could do as we watched her miraculously heal her body over six months. She is now a nurse on an orthotrauma spinal floor of a hospital in Colorado Springs. Motherhood requires that we scoop our children up and tell them it will be okay when they have broken a bone, when they have a broken bone, a busted bicycle, a shattered dream, or a broken heart, all the while not letting them see how scared, sad, or disappointed we are ourselves. That's a tall order and, quite frankly, impossible at moments to muster on my own. At the time of Kelsey's accident, a sweet friend had the words of 2 Corinthians 12.9 framed for me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in my weakness. In weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We were in Phoenix two weekends ago, celebrating Brooke's graduation from college. Her graduation is one that we have uniquely celebrated because during the summer between her freshman and sophomore year, she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer at 19 years old, to which she boldly declared, I will not let this steal my joy. That summer, she had her thyroid and 63 lymph nodes removed from her neck, 14 of which were cancerous. Again, I turn to the words of Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Two weekends ago, we indeed had an opportunity to boast of the power of Christ, the one I have learned to stay tethered to, as it has been in my daughter's weakness that he has shown himself, and she has emerged a healed, kind, compassionate, and grace-filled young woman who will share those qualities with her now seventh-grade students as a middle school teacher. Our son Connor just completed his first year of college at GCU. The decision of which college to attend a year ago was a challenging one that he had to make independent from his dad and me. We celebrated with him that he trusted God to guide him in making that decision, but also 
in realizing that what God really asks of him is that he bring God with him in all of the decisions, knowing no matter what the outcome, God is always with him. Our youngest son, Josh, has had this year to learn to face an empty house, no longer filled with the chaos that he has, shown his enti- he has known his entire life. He has had to learn to be nearer to Christ in the absence of his siblings. We have watched in awe as he has persevered and pursued his own way of being a student, involved in leading and serving others, and pursuing a dream of getting his pilot's license without the proximity and nearby friendship of his siblings. Launching three of our four children into college and now adulthood has perhaps been the season that I have struggled the most in. When we began launching our first child six years ago, I thought to myself, what a sham. No one warned me that I'd be protecting them and nurturing them, pouring myself into them, only to release them into the big world, and I can't go with them. The very thing I have known and devoted myself to is coming to a close. I'm still a mom, but needed in a different way. To be honest, though, it is now that I have come to realize that what my children need today is what they've needed all along from me. Because it is now when they are becoming more and more independent and they have busted cars, broken hearts, and dreams in the waiting, that they need to turn to the one who is made strong in our weaknesses. It is in seeing them do that, I am reminded that I am a better mom when I have stayed tethered to my king. Thank you, Catherine, and thank you, Michelle. It messes up a mom's Mother's Day to give them an assignment (laughs) for church in front of people that they are not in the habit of doing. So I'm very grateful to both of you that you would say yes to that. And there's one left, and we'll introduce her in in just a moment. It's a different Mother's Day for me. It's the first time that uh, I'll experience Mother's Day with my mom uh, living in an assisted care facility. And it's different. I won't even call her today. I won't get a chance to do that. She can't handle the phone and can't hear very well anyway. And it's, uh, I'm sure, an exercise on frustration uh, on her end. Clinging to the memories of my mom has made me think about some things that we've experienced. And over the last several weeks, especially since she's been in, a few things have come roaring back to my memory. When I was in second grade, I got sent to the principal's office. It wasn't a first time this happened. Um, It happened pretty regularly. I was a chatty fellow. I didn't care much for uh, the studies. I just liked my friends in the classroom. And I ended up in the principal's office, was waiting. The receptionist there, having seen me as a frequent flyer, said, um, this time we we need to call your mom. And I said, well, you can call her if you want, but it won't matter. She's asleep. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, that's what she does all day. She sleeps. Now, I would not normally remember that conversation. It was, happened, I was in second grade. My memory's not that great. But when my mom did receive the call from the office and did come and pick me up, the receptionist relayed that conversation <laughs> to my mother. And so me and mom had a little chat about that on the way home. I didn't know what she did. I assumed she slept. Dad got ready. He put on a coat and tie and went off to his job. He had a a work job that I understood um, that day I found out that my mom does a lot of things and she explained most of them to me. (laughs) I even 
started doing some of those things that very week. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what being a parent is like, especially a mom. So much is unseen, it's misunderstood. You give and you care and the heart that you put towards your children is, well, a fraction of it is seen, let alone appreciated. After seeing my mom in this facility, another memory came back to me that um, has, over the years, time and time again, that same year, second grade, I was uh, uh, inflicted with a respiratory illness and had to end up in the ER and actually spent the night in the ER as, a, as they watched me and gave me, you know, the proper drugs and be sure I could breathe okay. Mom stayed with me that night. And she stayed by my bed. Every time I stirred, she was there. But what I remember about stirring is she sang to me. Uh, my mom was a music teacher, and she played clarinet and piano. It was a beautiful voice. And the song that she sang to me was an old lullaby. It's called All Through the Night. Maybe you've heard it. Might, you might remember it. Uh, I heard it on the radio, I don't know, two or three years ago. Some recent artist had redone it. And when the lyrics began and that melody kind of played over those speakers, tears immediately appeared in my eyes. The memory of my mom caring for me in that way, well, I'll never forget. And I'm grateful for who she is and how she loves me. And if you have a chance to thank your mom, I hope you do today. As I pondered those two memories and how different they are, it made me think of this passage in Ephesians. And if Donna and I have learned anything about parenting and kids and all of the stuff that goes with it, it's this idea that so often we don't see the forest for the trees. I mean, we're in the middle of it. We don't see the bigger picture. And I feel like that's what Paul is praying for here in Ephesians. And I pray the same thing for you moms today, that as you're in the middle of all the things, whether it's chasing after broken hearts or catching vomit with your bare hands, that your eyes may be opened. Paul says, I ask that your minds may be open to see his light so that you will know what is the hope to which he has called you and how rich are the wonderful blessings he promises his people. I pray that we would know as we love and as we reach our kids and our families and those among us, parenting happens in a thousand different ways, that we would see the bigger picture of what God is up to and know that he redeems all things and he makes all things new. Before we're done today, I want you to hear from one more person. Uh, Debbie Vare is on our church staff, and this is Debbie, of course. And uh, uh, these are the people that are most important in the world uh, to Debbie. She's a mom to Trevor there. This is at his wedding. He's married to Brenna, so now she's a mother-in-law. She's also a mom to Nora over here and Josie, and this is Charlotte. And there, uh, right beside Debbie, is, uh, is her husband, Scott, who's in our booth today. Debbie's ministry in our church uh, cannot be explained in the amount of time that we have left. If you have been around our church for very long at all, her ministry has touched you. She oversees communications. She has her hand in almost every event we do. Um, she is uh, without equal, and I'm so grateful for who she is. Now, over the last several months and a couple of years, really, I've gotten to know the girls uh, a little bit, and uh, I cannot tell you how impressed I am at the, the way she is a mother and how she loves her girls and cares for them and how different they are and how unique her love is for each of them. 
And so I'm grateful for her to share some today. Just welcome Debbie, if you would. Thank you, Phil. You know, uh, I'm so honored to be with you today and to even share this time with Michelle and Catherine, two of my very favorite moms and friends. Um, when Phil asked me, I had some of those same thoughts, but it's harder for me to say no to him. He's also my boss. <laughs> but he is a great, pretty great guy, too. So when he says, hey, will you do this? Of course, the answer is yes. So here I am, um, like they've each shared, you know, deciding where to focus and what to say today has... Um, taken its course, I'll say. Um, I am indeed the mom of those four kids. Uh, Scott, I was a single mom when I met Scott. We were married in 2000, and Trevor was seven when we got married. Uh, soon after, we had Charlotte. She's now 19. And our youngest two daughters, Nora and Josie, are 15 and 13, and they are both adopted. So when you ask me about motherhood, um, I may respond a little differently than some. Um, as a divorced, remarried, adoptive mom, being a mom has been an anchor in my life, uh, maybe even a life preserver. It's been wonderful and amazing. It's forever promises. It's I love you no matter what. It's yes, that's true. And so is this. And it's sometimes really hard. For me, it's a family only God could design. For me, it calls me to hope. Each of our kids are so unique and different from one another, which means their journeys and my journey with them is also unique and never-changing. Before I share anything else, I have to give a shout-out to Scott and tell you that I couldn't do this without him, that's for sure. But his day comes later. <laughs> so the second half of Luke 2 tells the story of Jesus' family traveling to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. Jesus was 12 years old. Luke 2, 43 to 52. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. First of all, did you catch that Jesus' parents actually lost him? 
Have you ever lost any of your kids, even for just a few minutes? I know you have. <laughs> I have. I find that a little bit affirming. Um, when I first heard this story, I think I saw it, um, it was in, portrayed in a movie, and I had to look it up to make sure that was real, but it is, it's true. <laughs> but really, I am most struck by verse 51, which says, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She knew who Jesus was. She knew her son. She knew something of what was to come, but didn't really fully understand is that not what we do as moms? We take it all in, the joys and the sorrows, from the first I love yous, the messy kisses, the crazy last minute school projects, the late night stomach flu sleeping on the bathroom floor, the arguments, the good and not so good friend choices, the only a mom hug can fix this moments. The first dates, the breakups, and everything else in between and beyond. We know our kids well, but we don't necessarily know what tomorrow holds. But we treasure it all in our hearts. Being a mom is love itself expressed in so many ways. It's bigger and better and more amazing than I would ever have imagined. It's brought me joy beyond my expectations. And it's also brought me to my knees in desperation. It can delight our hearts and break them in the very same day. We get to celebrate so many large and small accomplishments along the way and also grieve our mistakes and missed opportunities. Motherhood has shown me some of the most beautiful parts of my own heart. And it also gives me so many reasons to cling to Jesus. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. My heart is bigger, kinder, more gentle, more tender, and surely more loving today because of the things I've come to treasure in my heart, because of the things I've learned being a mom of those four pretty great kids that you saw up there. <laughs> and so I find myself today more surrendered, more trusting, and more confident in Jesus' love for me and for my children. Apart from his grace, I honestly don't have much to offer. And so it is when I follow him, receive and believe the truth of his vast and immeasurable love for me that I can see with his eyes and love with his heart. I trust him with my kids, with their futures, with their well-being, because I know, as hard as it is to imagine, he loves them more than I do. And this, too, I treasure in my heart. Isaiah 43, verse 1, the second half, says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When this is true for me, Maybe it becomes true for my kids as well. And if there's one thing I want for them is to believe this truth. And it's true for you too. <laughs> Thank you.
if you'll join me, I get to close us in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for moms. Thank you for families. Thank you for the way that you love us, each one as if we're the only one. May that truth um, seek deep into our hearts today, Lord. I thank you for this time together, for this opportunity to celebrate and acknowledge the hard things too. Um, Lord, I uh, ask your blessing over each of the families represented here today. Pray your blessing and your mercy upon them. I'm thankful for Castle Oaks and this family who walk with us. Um, those of us just trying to do the, our best for our families, Lord, thank you for friends who come alongside. Lord, we love you and we thank you for how you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.